you have your Bibles with you, please open them up to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you're using a Pew Bible, it's on page 723. Christmas is a lot like what we just saw. It always seems to have a couple of different perspectives. Some people are very excited about Christmas, can't wait for it to come. Others dread it. Some people are generous. Some people don't have the funds to be generous. This Christmas, some have jobs. Some don't have jobs. Just this last week, Delta announced that they're hiring 1,000 flight attendants. Did you hear that there were 100,000 applications for those 1,000 jobs? So 1,000 people are going to be very excited to have a job, and the other 99,000 are going to still be looking and sad about it. And I don't know what it is about Christmas, but Christmas seems to always bring out all these emotions in us. I mean, some of you have been anticipating Christmas for weeks, and others are like, when's Thanksgiving? And it's already passed. Christmas is just a couple of weeks off. Are we ready? And yet, sometimes we're not. And I don't know if I can really explain it to you, but Christmas, for some reason, just kind of has that whole bag of emotions inside of us. Some of you are going to notice who's around this Christmas. Some of you are going to be wondering what happened to the person that was here last Christmas. Some will be feeling lost. Others will be celebrating. And it's all in the same holiday of Christmas. You know, Christmas is one of those things that I think we struggle with. Deep down, we're excited about when we stop and think about what it means, because it means a Christ child coming down to this earth. And yet none of us live during that time. And so we kind of go, well, what is it really all about? And I want to take you back and keep this very simple this morning. There's a Bible verse in John chapter 3. I think you might know it or you've heard it. For God so, what's the next word? Loved. Just stop there. God so loved this world. It's a love that you and I can't fully even put our arms around. We don't grasp. It's called agape in the Greek. And we have no love like it on this earth. Agape love is an unconditional love that just loves no matter what. It's that love that when Jesus was on the cross and he looked at the very people that were crucifying him, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's a love that you and I can't fathom. We don't understand unconditional because ever since the fall, we have a conditional love. And why do I say that? I mean, just look today. Look at the divorce rate. It's 50%, 51%. Half of all kids will spend time in a single-parent household in their adult life. And why is that? Because we struggle with unconditional love. And we struggle to get along. And we struggle to love someone else. And when they're not loving us in return, that love starts to turn into hate. And why do we struggle so much? You know, it's interesting when, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's an agape love. 
And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? If we had nothing in the Bible except that one thing, love God and love your neighbor, we'd struggle for our whole lives, wouldn't we? Because it's hard to do. It's hard to love. God said in Genesis chapter 1 that you and I were made in the image of God. And yet that image we seem to have lost once sin came. And it's really interesting that God gave us an animal that seems to really image or mirror God's love. It's called a dog. Anybody got a dog? Yeah, you got a dog. You understand this. I don't think it's coincidental that God says it's in their image. And in English language, if you put God into a mirror and hold it up to a mirror, what word do you see? Dog. And you put dog into a mirror and it says God. And you look at your dog and you go, you know what? They love unconditionally. When I left this morning about 7 o'clock, it wasn't my wife that got up out of bed and was happy to see me. (laughs) But my two dogs were very excited to see me. And I can tell you this, when I go home, it won't be my wife at my car door waiting to see me, but my dogs will be. Isn't that amazing? You only leave them for a few hours and they act like they haven't seen you for months. And they can't wait to see you. And you can scold them and they look kind of sheepish. Give them a second and then they start wagging their tail again. It's amazing to look at a dog and go, how do you do that? And why is it so easy for you to do that and so hard for us to do that? Well, Christmas is about love. It's about God's love coming down. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 1 because this is an amazing section. I want you to find Luke 1 verse 26. Now, let me just explain what I'm going to do this morning. I want to take you on a journey that I was on this week. Because it's so interesting when you know what you're going to be teaching on. And I knew it was about unconditional love. And I'll tell you what, I don't know how much love was going on in our family this week because it was being tested to the core. And it's just always amazing because I'm like, I'm like, okay, how do I teach on something when I'm struggling to live it? And so I'm not going to stand up here and say, you know what, folks, I got this figured out. I don't have this figured out. This is the hardest thing we're doing. And it's the hardest thing of God. God loved us. But he didn't just love us agape. It says God so loved the world. I mean, he like even exceeded agape love. Which is why he loved us enough to come down at Christmas time. Okay, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, a relative of Mary's, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Okay, let me just pause there. Uh, Some of you may have heard this, but let me just, for those who may not know what this is, Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married, but it's a little bit of a different engagement than you and I are used to. I mean, we're used to you get engaged, and some couples that are engaged never get to the married part. But in this case, in this particular time period, That when you were engaged to be married, you were actually husband and wife already. 
But the marriage was not consummated yet. There was no wedding ceremony that happened yet. So when you made a commitment to each other, you were already husband and wife, and there was one of two reasons why you weren't married yet. Either in the case of the girl, she was actually too young and still considered a girl, and she didn't have her cycle yet to be able to bear children, and because if that didn't happen, then she could be betrothed or engaged, but she could not wed yet. So it was an age issue, but you could still be engaged to be married, or it could have been a poverty issue, that you were just too poor to afford the ceremony and the party, and so you waited until you could afford the party or the ceremony. Well, the commentators were kind of divided on this, and, and some said it was her age, because Mary was probably about 13. And it also could have been because she was from Nazareth, which was a very poor community. There was only about 1,600 people that lived in Nazareth. So it could have been poverty. It could be because of her age. Now, interesting enough, if you look at Elizabeth, the story that was just before this, who was pregnant, she was too old to be pregnant. And on the other spectrum was Mary, who was probably too young to be pregnant. And God compared these two and had both of these relatives going, isn't this amazing of God's love that Elizabeth is too old, Mary is too young, and yet here we have both women that are pregnant. Only God could do that. Okay, well, let's go on. So that's what's going on in the story. So the angel, verse 28, the angel went to Mary and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Do not be afraid, <clears throat> Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. Okay, let's go back to verse 28 for a minute. When the angel comes to her and it says, it says right there, it says, the angel said, greetings, you who are highly favored. Well, I began to do some homework and research on this, and I want to, I want to carry you along on what I found out, because I found one of the most fascinating things that I'd never seen before in my whole life. And I began to read about 25 different versions of the Bible, and here's what struck me. No two commentators or no two versions of the Bible agreed on what the angel said. And I thought, well, that's kind of odd. One version says, Hail! One version says, greetings. One version says, blessed are you. And they're saying all these different things. And I'm like scratching my head going, that's kind of funny. I will, let's go back to the Greek and see what the Greek says. So I pulled up the Greek and I found something really incredible. The Greek word is actually grace. And I found that like, huh? They were saying greetings, but it says grace. And then it says greetings, you who are highly, and guess what word is favored? It's grace again. And so you go, okay. So the angel came down and said, grace, you who are highly graced. But it makes a little sense because if we go on, look at what she says, verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. 
I mean, she must have gone, that was weird. <laughs> what does that mean? Grace? You who are highly graced? And then later on, when the angel said, you have found favor with God, guess what word is there again? Grace. So what does that mean? Well, interesting is I was studying through the commentators to see what did they say about this. And this word grace is one of those hard words to really put our arms around. Because you would say to a king, like when you said, long live the king. Well, what does that mean, long live? Are you really saying long live the king? Or if you said, hail king. Like remember when Jesus was, a crown of thorns was put on? And they said, hail king of the Jews. Well, that's kind of what grace meant, that you would say, grace. Well, then I began to keep unpacking that word grace. And in Philippians chapter 4, 4, you might know this verse when Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Guess what word that is? Grace. And what an oddity. So what in the world does it mean? It means very simply, God's grace was upon Mary in an extraordinary way. And she was highly graced because she was about to conceive the Son of God. And the purpose of that was so that you and I could be what? Graced. Do you realize that's what Christmas is? It's that you receive grace. What is grace? It means God treats us better than we deserve. And it's not because of what we do or what we don't do. It's because of what God did. Mary was not extraordinary. God was extraordinary. And chose a young woman to be graced in an extraordinary way. Which is why Mary, so fascinating. Do you know what the word Mary means? Exalted. Isn't that incredible? God took a woman, gave extra grace. And she was highly exalted under the favor, the grace of God. And who benefits? You and I do. And I think sometimes we get caught up in Christmas and all the other stuff. And yet, can we go really right back to basics? We have a God that so, so loved us that he was willing to give grace for you and I. You're saved not because of what you did or didn't do. You're saved because God gave his grace to you. You're going to heaven not because you go to church. You're going to heaven not because you love God. You're going to heaven because God loves you and showed you grace. We give gifts to other people. Do you realize the reason why we do that? is because God gave us grace and then we give gifts to others and we show God's grace and we show God's love. It's a small way that we can show God's love. 
It's why during the same season, we just have a heart to reach out to others. Why do we have a heart to reach out for, to others? Because God reached out to us. And it's a natural expression for us to reach out to others. You know what the hard part of is, about grace is? You've got to receive that grace. I think that's one of the hardest things to do in life. It's hard to receive something. When you're down and out and somebody wants to show grace and give you a gift, it's hard to accept. Because you go, you know what? I feel horrible. I'm already down and out. And then somebody wants to give a gift. And sometimes we say no because of pride. And yet you and I, we have to learn to open our arms up and say, God, give me that grace. I'm open. And then when you get graced, then what does God do? Allows us to show grace to others. It may be in gifts. It may be in kindness. It may be in encouragement. You know, it's not the big things in life that impact others' lives. Do you realize it's sometimes the small things in, the, in, in life? Think about when somebody showed you grace. Can you remember? If you can remember a time that somebody showed you grace and loved you in a simple way, raise your hand. Isn't that amazing? You remember when somebody did something for you that changed your life. That is what Christmas is about. God came down as a baby and it changed our life. And when somebody did something for us, it changed our life and we'll never forget it. And when you do something, especially at this time, but not exclusively at this time, and show grace, it changes their life forever. Somebody sent me a story this week, and I want to read it to you. I hope it has the same impact in your life that it had in mine. And this really struck me. It's about a person who showed grace and then many, many, many years later still remembered that act of kindness that was shown. It's called You Reap What You Sow. Good morning, said a woman as she walked up to the man sitting on the ground. The man slowly looked up. This was a woman clearly accustomed to the finer things of life. Her coat was new. She looked like she'd never missed a meal in her life. His first thought was that she wanted to make fun of him like so many others had done before. Leave me alone, he growled. To his amazement, the woman continued standing. She was smiling. Are you hungry, she asked. No, he answered sarcastically. I've just come from dining with the president. Now go away, lady. The woman's smile became even broader. Suddenly the man felt a gentle hand under his arm. What are you doing? I said, leave me alone. Just then a police officer came up. Is there any problem, ma'am, he asked. No problem here, officer, the woman answered. I'm just trying to get this man to his feet. Would you help me? The officer scratched his head. That's old Jack. He's been a fixture around here for a couple of years. What do you want with him? Do you see that cafeteria over there, she asked. 
I'm going to get him something to eat and get him out of the cold for a while. Are you crazy? The homeless man resisted. I don't want to go in there, especially that place. Just then he felt a strong hand grab his other arm and lift him up. Let me go, officer. I didn't do anything wrong. This is a good deal for you, Jack, the officer said. Don't blow it. Finally, and with some difficulty, the woman and the police officer got Jack into the cafeteria and sat him at a table in a remote corner. It was the middle of the morning, so most of the breakfast crowd had already left, and the lunch bunch had not yet arrived. The manger strode across the cafeteria and stood by his table. What's going on here, officer, he asked. What's this all about? Is this man in trouble? This lady brought this man in here to be fed, the policeman answered. Well, not in here, the manager replied. Having a person like that in here is bad for business. Old Jack smiled a toothless grin. See, lady, I told you. Now, if you'll just let me go, I didn't want to come in here in the first place. The woman turned to the cafeteria manager and smiled. Sir, are you familiar with Eddie and Associates, the banking firm down the street? Of course I am, the manager answered. They hold their weekly meetings in one of my banquet rooms. And do you make a good amount of money providing food at these weekly meetings? I'm sorry, ma'am, that's none of your business. Well, sir, actually it is, because I'm the president and CEO of the company. <laughs> oh, he said. The woman smiled again. I thought that might make a difference. She glanced at the cop, who was busy stifling a giggle. Would you like to join us in a cup of coffee and a meal, officer? No, thanks, ma'am, the officer replied. I'm on duty. Then perhaps a cup of coffee to go. Yes, ma'am, that would be nice. The cafeteria manager turned on his heel. I'll get your coffee for you right away, officer. The officer watched him walk away. <laughs> you certainly put him in his place, didn't you? Well, that wasn't my intent, believe it or not. I've got a reason for all of this. She sat down at the table across from her amazed dinner guest. She stared at him intently. Jack, do you remember me? Old Jack searched her face with his old, roomy eyes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look familiar. Well, I'm a little older, perhaps, she said. Maybe I've even filled out a little bit more than in my younger days when you worked here. Do you remember that day that I came through that very door, cold and hungry? Ma'am, the officer said. He couldn't believe that such a magnificently turned out woman could ever have been hungry. I was just out of college, the woman began. I'd come to the city looking for a job. I couldn't find anything. Finally, I was down to my last few cents and had been kicked out of my apartment. I walked the streets for days. It was February and I was cold and nearly starving. I saw this place and walked in on, on off, the off chance that maybe I could get something to eat. Jack lit up with a smile. Now I remember. I was behind the serving counter. You came up and asked me if you could work for something to eat. I told you it was against company policy. I know, the woman continued. Then you made me the biggest rope beef sandwich that I'd ever seen in my life. You gave me a cup of coffee, and you told me to go over to the corner table and enjoy it. I was afraid that you would get into trouble. Then when I looked over and saw you put the price of my food in the cash register, I knew then that everything would be okay. So you started your own business? Actually, that afternoon I got a job. I worked my way up, eventually started my own business, and with the help of God, it prospered. She opened her purse and pulled out a business card. When you're finished here, I want you to pay a visit to my company. See Mr. Lyons, he's the personnel director of my company. 
I'll go and talk to him, and I'm certain he'll find something for you to do around the office. She said, I think he might even find the funds to give you a little advance so you can buy some clothes and get a place to live until you get on your feet. If you ever need anything, my door is always open to you. There were tears in the old man's eyes. How can I ever thank you, he said. Don't thank me, the woman answered. To God goes all the glory. Thank Jesus because he led me to you. Outside the cafeteria, the officer and the woman paused at the entrance before going their separate ways. Thank you for all your help, officer, she said. On the contrary, thank you. I saw a miracle today, something that I will never forget. And thanks for the coffee. This had a very profound effect on me this week. I've been the recipient of people who have graced me and had the privilege of gracing others. Don't ever underestimate what you do for someone else because it has the power to change lives more than you could ever imagine. And in the same way, when Jesus was born, you and I were graced in the most profound way that's changed our life forever. I hope you've received that grace because God wants to give you that grace and his love that lasts for all eternity. Let's pray together. God, you loved us so much that you sent your only son, Jesus. And we have received grace upon grace, love and life and forgiveness and hope. And Lord, at Christmas time, there's so many emotions and feelings that come out of us, good and bad. Loneliness and despair and joy and celebrating. It all seems to flood out. But may we pause to remember how you loved us unconditionally. May we always be on the lookout to show grace to someone in need. Or maybe it's us. May we be open to receive grace that someone else wants to show to us. And Lord, we want to thank you for everything you've done for us. And may this Christmas be a true celebration of your love for us. In Christ's name we pray and everybody said, amen. amen.